Oh, come on, phone. What's wrong? Sprinturn. This smartphone is not smart. Then switch to Sprint and get a brilliant iPhone XR for just $15 a month. $15 a month? Now that sounds smart. Switch to Sprint and get the brilliant iPhone XR for just $15 a month. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800 Sprint One. Phone $15 per month after $16.25 per month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires 24 month installment. Calling if you cancel early. Remaining balance two. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes tax, $30 activation fee, restrictions apply. Feels like conversation here. We should probably start the podcast. I'm pretty sure there are. They tend to be recording. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bodybuilding.com podcast. To my left, we have Heather Eastman. Hello, everyone. Uh, across the way, here's Brandon Foken, longtime Bodybuilding.com athlete, personal trainer, cover model, IFBB pro, diamondized athlete. Uh, corporate wellness coordinator. I actually just left that position. Did you? Yeah. Okay, I wanted to ask you about that. I think it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. But um, but first but first also you're a new father. You were we were just discussing with a nine and a half yep. month old nine and a half who's month old. teaching you what true fitness really is. Uh, he's teaching me what life really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's he's the uh, the light of our lives. Mm-hmm. He is everything I thought he would be, and then everything more. You know, nothing can really prepare you for uh, parenthood and being a father and everything until you have one, and then you're still. You have no idea what you're doing every day. Every single day. Yeah, that's the joy of it. Except you know, you know exactly what you're doing, which is you're bending over and picking the kid up mm-hmm. all the time, bending over, mm-hmm. picking yes. everything up. So all of a sudden, you're like, all right, do all those, uh, all that lifting I've done all these years, did it actually translate into me being a more functional human being? No, <laughs> no. But I, I am a smarter human being because he can stand on his own. So rather than pick him up straight from the floor, I make him crawl up my leg and stand oh. up. So have, it's, it's about a four inch difference, but that four uh-huh. inches, it's a huge, <laughs> yeah, sure. huge leverage point. Now I will point out that um, uh, Brandon's son also has 20,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I don't have to give up the details, but I discovered this yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know, that that struck me as kind of wild to have 20,000 in nine months. That's a pretty, yeah. that's a pretty steep trajectory. Yeah, yeah, people, I mean, he's, uh, He's overdeveloped, I would say. I mean, he's uh, <laughs> clearly I, I, well. He's ahead. Of, he's ahead of everything, mm-hmm. um, size-wise. Uh, he's already measuring as big a, as a two and a half year old. <laughs> and uh, I mean, just everything else. He's got a personality. He's fun. His his mom documents. I mean, a lot of his life. But at the same time, uh, he was he was very difficult for us to have. Too. Mm-hmm. It's not something that we just got pregnant and here he was. You know, we actually it, it was a long drawn out process to have him. So our appreciation for him is probably you know, uh, accelerated a little bit more uh, because of that. And because of that, mom literally, you know, documents his entire life. Mm -hmm. And and people like to see him. I mean, he's got a great personality and he's fun. Yeah, he's a happy looking Mm -hmm. baby. So, Cool. Hmm. Now, and um, you've had a long and varied road through the fitness industry as well. Um, If you go to bodybuilding.com, you can see Brandon's story and several of his workouts. But I wanted to talk a little bit about where this all started for you as well. Um, you know, as a, as a as a kid, who were who were the icons that you looked up to? Um, you know, as a kid, I, I you know I've made it no secret I had a real tough childhood, mm-hmm. and um, because of that, you know, I found myself fixated on characters like Superman, mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan at the time. Uh, you know, because they were bigger in life and they were strong, um, and because they were strong, they were never hurt. And as a little kid, you know, I went through a lot of stuff no little kid should have to. So I wanted wanted that to be a part of my life. And along with that, they also did good with their strength. And that was something else that, that attracted me to them. But, uh, you know, there was a phase from probably four years old to about eight that I tried to flex 
And every single picture I took. These are the Hulk Hogan years. <laughs> I, I was after it, man. And uh, you could not convince me that I was not strong, mm-hmm. you know, even at that age. And uh, it's something that stuck with me. You know, I just continued on with it. And sure. as I got older, um, at the age, I was a great athlete and uh, played all sports. I moved around a lot. So athletics were how I made friends. And when I got to high school, I had grown faster than anybody. I was, I could dunk a basketball, I could outrun anybody, but I was not strong mm-hmm. at all. Uh, I could not bench press 100 pounds in, in my freshman year of high school. And the hierarchy of who's cool and who's strong is what you can bench press at right. that age. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I got made fun of, and it's something I, I didn't want to continue to deal with. So I buried my head in, in muscle mag and muscle and fitness. And that's where uh, Michael Hearn actually okay. came into my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was the, the biggest model at the time, and his workouts were everywhere. And I started to follow those. And I probably did that for the next five, five years. And, you know, over time, I continued to, to bring that you know, into my training protocols as I learned. But uh, it's funny to look back to that point at the age of 14, and here I am, you know, friends with Mike today, mm-hmm. you know, which is completely crazy for so, me. So you were following Mike O'Hearn routines when you were 14? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I wasn't lifting anywhere near right. close to him. No, but I, but we, I we hear that, the, too. The, the principles yeah. of what Jim Stepani uh, told us a couple weeks ago that he started following old um, muscle and fitness routines, like straight up bodybuilder mm-hmm. routines, like seven. Like it's just, you, but yeah. those things come to you mm-hmm. and you can't control the age at which they come to you, you yeah. know, regardless of the amount of weight that you're lifting. Yep. Yep. And, and at that point in time, I mean, other than yourself, I mean, I was truly convinced I could be just like him, mm-hmm. you know, not till later was I like, well, maybe I don't have the genetics or the ability or whatnot, you know, those doubts, but those doubts are usually cast on you by other people. Oh, you'll never do this. You'll never do that or whatever. But at that point in time, you know, I looked at the magazines and thought, well, you know, I want to be like that. So that's what I'm going to shoot for. Sure. You know, Mike has about three inches on me and about 40 pounds still. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Hulk, Hulk Hogan had that on everybody. Yes. Too. Yeah, right. I, I, th- I think it's, uh, yeah, you, you got me going down the Hulk Hogan rabbit hole recently <laughs> as well. Because like, when, I, when I grew up, Hulk Hogan was, he was everything to, yeah. to, to a little kid like me. Yeah. And, um, you know, now I feel like he's lost a ton of the luster just because he's he's a human being. He has this whole sordid reality TV uh, thing going on or whatever over the last 20 years. But when we were growing up, like he was he was like the ultimate force for good, yes. you know? Yeah. And the, one of the things I remember him saying, he was always, yeah, you know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers. But he also said, train. The first thing he said to kids, train, eat your vitamins, say your prayers. He was telling little kids mm-hmm. to train. No, nobody else was doing that in the 80s, oh, yeah. you know? That, that's the unfortunate thing about uh, today. You know, the media is so big mm-hmm. that it shows everybody's imperfections. And as a little kid, he didn't have any to me, right. you know? I just know when, when he was getting beat down and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, he would mm-hmm. all of a sudden stand up and he'd shake his head and mm-hmm. shake his arms and then he'd, you know, take care of whoever it was that was, you know, well, hurting him. For me, there was only him and Andre the Giant. That, that, yeah. that was the ultimate. I, I yeah. remember staying up and watching those two. And Hulk, yeah, but Hulk Hogan, he's down, he's down. Like, Ed, the whole world thinks he's down and he comes back up. Yep. And, and being that comeback, always. Right. And he always persevered through that. And that was an, a positive example in my life, mm-hmm. you know. That's something that I try to encourage people that, you know, you don't realize sometimes how you affect other people. You know, Hulk Hogan will probably never know how he affects me or how he had, you know, such an impact in my life. The same thing with you or anybody else. You know, you don't realize just by the normal things that you do day to day, somebody sees that. And you may be the reason why they become who they are someday or their biggest inspiration. They may never tell you. So, you know, uh, that's 
a big thing on, on how I try to live is try to live with a positive example, promote positivity, mm-hmm. be humble, be kind and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. again, you never know. And I'm, I'm fortunate in this industry that I get to meet so many of these people at expos or they'll write me online and, and share their stories, which, you know, you're very humbled by. And it's incredible to hear some of these things like, you know, I got through my divorce because of your positivity or, you know, uh, some darker stories too. But, uh, you know, that's something that I started learning way back then. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, forgive me, Nick was filling me in on a little bit of your background and he told me you had this horrible, horrible contest prep. And we, we did a video of it on our website, but for those who haven't seen it, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about, um, that journey that you went through? He, he said you, you almost died. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a, the whole thing's a crazy story. You know, I was in fitness. I didn't start competing till I was 30. Mm-hmm. And I did a few bodybuilding shows, and then the physique division came out. And I thought people would make fun of me if I did it, you know, because mm-hmm. we weren't board shorts sure. or whatever. And I did it, loved it, and uh, decided to do a national show. And that was in 2011, uh, in July, USA's. And picked up a reputable coach, very well-known person that I won't uh, ever name. And, uh, you know, I followed their protocol to a T and they wanted me to burn muscle off um, because I was coming from bodybuilding to physique. So, I mean, I was absolutely killing myself. I mean, I I basically went almost no carbs for four months. Um, I was doing two two hours of cardio a day. Uh, Half of that was outside, you know, doing, you know, hit or running outside. And it was that summer, it was in the 90s all summer. And then when I depleted into the contest, it was in Vegas. I remember it was like 116 degrees there. I cut out my water, carb loaded and everything. And I remember that morning I was feeling really weird. My feet were tingly and just wasn't feeling like myself. And uh, I never made it to finals that night. My body started locking up on me. And I, in my head, I was like, oh, everything will be okay. You know, it's I'm contest just, prep. Yeah. yeah. I'm overexerted. Um, it kind of felt how I did after you know, a bodybuilding show because I was flexing and posing the whole time. The next day, I was just white, like my muscles ached and were tightening up on me. And uh, you know, it kind of felt like that. So I was like, oh, I'll be fine. So the next morning, I woke up and could barely get out of bed. I remember sitting in my shower because I had a bench. I was just sitting there and my legs were, were locked up on me and my hands were tingly and I just, just didn't feel right. But uh, after a shower, I loosened up, ended up getting on the plane, got home and I mean, getting to my car, getting home, I mean, was a task. And I had a roommate at the time and we had dinner and after dinner, I sat down on the floor and I was sitting there for about 20 minutes and I went to get up and I couldn't get off the floor. I was literally like stuck. And things weren't like working. My arms weren't working. And uh, I'm like, I need to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So they took me to the hospital. And right away in the ER, they thought I had a muscle wasting disease was their first guess. Even though you had obviously tons of muscle Mm -hmm. on your body. Yeah. And uh, I had a great uh, spray tan, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I uh, was sitting there and they did all these tests. And the guy came back and he said, uh, your potassium level is you know, this, and you're supposed to be a three, five to a five, um, to be normal. And you're like a 2.6 or 2.2 or something. I can't remember what it was exactly, but well below normal. it was well yeah. below. So they admitted me and throughout the night they were taking blood draws like every hour, like three, three blood draws and they're testing everything and they're giving me fluids and potassium and magnesium and all that. And nothing was working. My body was rejecting all of it. And that next morning, they basically came in and they told me I was going to die. And (laughs) to hear that, you know, I mean, I was 
what was I, 31? Mm -hmm. 31 years old and then be told that you're going to die. And I had another doctor come in and tell me you're going to die. And I had another doctor come in and tell me I was going to die. So I got used to that at least. And uh, (laughs) pretty quick, pretty quickly. Yeah. (laughs) And I was, uh, I was actually paralyzed. Um, I couldn't walk or anything. My legs weren't working. My arms weren't. I was really, uh, I was holding a lot of fluid. And they kept coming back and just saying my body was rejecting everything. And then, did, did they have any sort of reason that they were giving they, it at that they, point? They were trying to figure it out. So they were working with another hospital. But until we, until we know, let's just, on the safe side, say you're going to die. Right? Yes. Yeah, let's just, let's just, <laughs> let's just tell you that. We'll anyway. just scare the hell out of you. That's, that's what we'll do. Let's get the cortisol levels going and the heart rate going. <laughs> yeah, yep, just. So my body was basically in chaos. They ended up, um, I, w- I got put on insulin. Um, I, my heart rate was through the roof. My blood pressure was through the roof. Magnesium, potassium, vitamin B, vitamin D were all mm-hmm. basically stripped from my body. Then a priest came in and basically prayed over me and didn't necessarily give me last rites, but it was close enough for me. Um, and he left, and when he left, I started blacking out and panicked, kind of had a panic attack. And in my head, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm dying. This is it. And I thought of all the things that I hadn't done. I wasn't married, didn't have kids or anything. And all I said in my head, whether you're religious or not, all I said is, God, if I get out of here, I'll do good. That's all I said. And another doctor came in and said, well, we talked with another hospital. We think you have uh, refeeding syndrome, which is where essentially your body's treating you like an anorexic. So when I started to eat carbohydrates and sugar, my body was spilling nutrients to create body fat. So it just spilled, 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 and it spilled so fast that my body couldn't catch up with it. So that's what they diagnosed me with. And um, I've known other athletes to have had the same thing. I know another female that she came even closer than I did to dying. She spent three months in the hospital and she still has to wear a heart monitor today because of it. Um, they said, because I had such a strong heart, that's Mm -hmm. partially why I made it through. So they ended up putting me in the pulmonary unit, uh, which everybody in there is 90, just so you know. Um, and then there was me, uh, they put a pick line through my bicep into my heart to give me fluids faster. And I did that for the next six days. I was on a special diet. I was, you name it. And, uh, you know, I ended up getting out of there. And when I got out of there, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm never competing again. This is crazy. Blah, blah, blah. And I could barely walk. I had to go to the doctor every day for tests just to test everything. And as I was walking down the street by my house, I just said in my head, I said, now what? Mm -hmm. And literally that night, Muscle and Fitness Magazine called me and said I won their online model contest and they wanted me to compete at the Olympia. And I said in my head, I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's in five weeks. Talked to my doctors. Five weeks? Five weeks, yeah. I talked to my doctors, talked to my uh, coach at the time because I'd switched uh, to my previous coach, which I had worked with before. And then I just said, what do you think? And my doctor said, well, you can do it. We just need to monitor you. So I had to go in like every other day for those five weeks and get blood draws to monitor me. I couldn't exert myself for the first few weeks. So in three weeks I got ready and did the model contest. Um, there was 84 guys and I took third, um, out of 84 and it was my first big expo. Mm -hmm. Craziest thing I'd ever seen was the Olympia. And first person I met was Greg Plitt. Uh, who's passed. And the thing that surprised me was Greg treated me like I was part of the group, like I was a somebody. And I didn't ever, I mean, I'm a guy from South Dakota. Mm -hmm. Like, I haven't done anything. And he was real encouraging and he was really great. And uh, I was like, wow, that was such a great experience. And I literally turned and walked over to the Bodybuilding.com booth. And I had been following Bodybuilding.com for years. I've been on Body Space, I think, since like 2007. 
And uh, I had been watching a lot of Jamie Eason's cooking videos mm-hmm. at the time. So I got in line. The first person I met was Furious Pete. Mm-hmm. And we talked back and forth. Then I met Kazito right after him. Mm-hmm. And then I got to Jamie and I got to her and she like looked at me and reached out to like hug me and thought she knew me. And I'm like, like Jamie Eason knows me? Like mm-hmm. what? You know? And she knew that you'd been eating those turkey muffins. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but she, like she, yeah, she <laughs> thought she thought she recognized me and I'm like, I don't know you. And we talked back and forth and uh she just kept telling me, she's like, I really think you could be a part of this industry. Gave me her number, gave me her agent's number, and then encouraged me to do the Bodybuilding.com spokesmodel contest, mm. which I made the finals that year and changed my life completely. I mean, I could give you the list of things since then, but everything, you know, there was groundwork laid beforehand, you know, before the hospital and all that. Right. But mm-hmm. all, the, all the majority of everything I've done in fitness came after that. Mm. Almost like it happened for a reason, sure. whether mm-hmm. you believe in stuff like that or not. But uh, you, got, you had a serious test beforehand, though. I mean, it's, yeah. anybody else would have maybe just run screaming from the, from the mm-hmm. whole enterprise. Were you, were you waiting for somebody to come along and say, all right, all right, you, you cannot do this. This is just. I probably would have done it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I was. I was, uh, I don't know if you'd say crazy, but, uh, you know, I, I knew what I wanted and, you know, I, uh, fear is, a, is probably the, the most powerful motivator I have. I have a fear of failure, um, based on how I grew up, you know, with the tough childhood, everybody that I cared about left me. So I was feared to disappoint people because if I did, they'd leave. And I, I carried that through now, now that I'm older and I understand that I don't, I'm not motivated by the same things, but when I was in the hospital and everything else, that's how I was motivated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my fear of ending up there or whatever, you know, it, it wouldn't have deterred me. It would have probably pushed me, mm-hmm. which it, which it probably <laughs> ended up doing anyway. But, uh, yeah, definitely a, a life changing moment for mm-hmm. me. So, mm-hmm. so when, so when your son comes to you one day and says, I got to do a show because you and your wife both compete. Right. Dad, mom, I'm doing a show. What are you going to say? Well, my wife, as of now, has said she's retired. Mm-hmm. You know, she concentrates more on the industry stuff. And we've had that talk a lot. You know, even with me, she doesn't want me to compete, you know, anymore. And she said, you know, isn't being a pro good enough? And I'm like, yeah. And in my head, in my head I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, with him, I think all the things that we learned about the industry or dieting or training that was wrong those are the things that we'd utilize to protect him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you see these people like me or anybody else. She and I have both been through the the no calories, the the massive amounts of cardio and, and everything else. And so many people in the industry have gone through that with terrible coaches that mm-hmm. just run them into the ground, you know. So teaching him there's a better way, you know, whether we're counting macros with him or, you know, whatnot, you know, just making sure that, you know, he's doing it the right way because there is a right way mm-hmm. and there's a wrong way. And I've done it the wrong way. And I almost lost my life because of it. Mm-hmm. So would I be encouraging? Yeah. You know, if that's something he wants to do, the biggest thing with him, everybody looks at him and because he's so big, they're like, oh, he's going to be a football player. He's going to be this or that. And before I had him, I would have been always like, yeah, that's awesome. Right. And now I just, I just want him to be a good person. So our, our biggest thing is we expose him to the world and we expose him to everything, foods, culture, music, you know, everything, people. And we want him to decide. The biggest thing is we just want him to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if competing is part of that, then we'll support it. Mm. So so now I know you, you speak to um, kids who have rough backgrounds like yeah. your own now as well. What do you, what do you tell them about, about what fitness can actually do? Because if you think about it, you know, there's a, there's a low barrier of entry. Anybody can 
can do some fitness. It's a way to take control of your life when there is no control, perhaps. Um, you know, I've, I've spoke, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. I've spoke about 90 different engagements currently, you know, so I do it when I have time or when I'm invited to mm -hmm. and colleges and universities and high schools. And I, I talked to kids that are in lockdown mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's funny how I relate to so many of them, you know, and I know when I walk in, I always purposely wear something that, you know, is sleeveless or revealing or whatever, right. because as a kid, they're like, Oh my God, like this guy knows what he's talking about, mm -hmm. you know, but the biggest thing I preach to anybody is that anything's possible. And I'm a, I'm a prime example. I came from the worst background. You know, I went through all these different things. I, I'm from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the middle of nowhere. You know, and I'm going to be 38 next next uh, week. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not young for this industry any, anyway. You know, I've done this later. You know, I, I found out yesterday I just landed another cover. I was on Iron Man's cover last month. I'm continually growing in an industry that that essentially, you know, works a lot with younger people. And if I can do it, and if I can do all these things coming from my background, my age, where I'm from, and everything else, then I should be a shining example on that they can too, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, they they resonate with that. Well, for sure. you didn't even your story wasn't even perfect. You had that traumatic experience and still came back from that. So you had the you know he's down, he's down, and, <laughs> and then, <laughs> to bring it back to Hulk, to Hogan. bring it back to Hulk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got back up. Yeah, but that's the thing, you know. I'm, I'm big on the mental aspect of stuff. If you ever read anything that I write or anything like that, you know, it's the smallest steps that add up to the, the biggest victories. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times when you take giant leaps forward and when you fall, you don't know how you got there. I'm the culmination of all the good and all the bad that's ever happened to me. And I've gotten to where I am taking small steps. I've never had any giant leaps. And I encourage people to be respectful and appreciative of those small steps because the small steps will take them anywhere that they want to go. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, we're all, all in the world where we want it now. You know, that's why we have drive-through windows and everything else. But if you, if you respect what it is that you want to do enough, respect yourself and you truly want to succeed, learn everything you can along the way. You know, because it's going to make you that much better. And at the same time, it's going to be, it's going to better equip you because the road is never straight. Your path is never straight. It's always going to divert. And if you have that skill set leading to that, through that path, when you're diverted, you know, you're not going to freak out and just fall off the path. You're going to be like, okay, I'm equipped. I'm ready for this. Same thing with, you know, I was talking about leaving my corporate position and people like, well, why didn't you do it a long time ago? Or why weren't you doing this? Or why didn't you do that? Because... All of the stuff that I learned while I was doing that, while I was competing and coaching on the side and judging and everything else, brought me to where I'm at today. And my skill set is completely different now, and it has equipped me to do the things that I want to do next. You know, it, it happens in due time because I respected the process. I left when it was time to leave. Mm -hmm. And now I'm working on, you know, some, some amazing projects that five years ago I wouldn't have, have had the ability to do. I just wouldn't have been equipped with the skill set to do so. Right. Mm. So. And corporate wellness is a really interesting sort of burgeoning field right now that you've mm -hmm. been in for maybe longer than, than most people. You're there for, what, five five years at least, right? Seven. Seven years. Yeah. So so uh, what was what was that like? And what is yeah, what, what did you take from that as uh, it's, it's not the sort of career that maybe fit people think of. They think, oh, I'll be a trainer or whatever. I'll go pro. Yeah. But um, as, yeah, you, you're trying to share the the gospel with a whole different clientele at that point a, a very different clientele mm -hmm. you know um you know i started off 
I went to school for business marketing and it's funny because I just redid my resume recently just, mm-hmm. just to have it to give to people. And the guy that I worked with, in my head, I'm all fitness. Mm-hmm. And in his head, he's like, you're marketing, you know, and mm-hmm. with, with all the brands that I've developed and, and everything else. And I'm like, I guess I never really thought of that. He goes, so fitness is a big part. He goes, but you're this too. Um, the thing with corporate wellness, I was originally going to open up my own gym. And mm-hmm. the guy that owned the company I worked for, uh, which was Poet, they're the world's largest ethanol biorefiner. Mm-hmm. Um, they got 28 locations nationwide. It's the biggest company in South Dakota, multi-billion dollar industry. You know, so I got to work with a juggernaut of their mm-hmm. industry. Um, but just with lots of people, too. Lot, I mean, yeah, yeah, lots of people, lots of different people. And we were going to open up a gym together. And the more I reflected back on corporate wellness, the more I'm like, he, he didn't have a program. And I'm like... You really should have this. So what I did is I, I went and I studied like Google and Microsoft and all these companies that were on the forefront of that and what they were doing and and how people were reacting to it and how their insurance rates changed and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I put together a big portfolio and he and I were training at the time. And after afterwards, I uh, showed it to him and I said, hey, you know, this is what I think you should be doing. And he's a very visual numbers guy. And he looked at it and he goes, all right, let's do it. And I just kind of looked around. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I was literally on a on a company jet to Chicago to, to Life Fitness to pick out equipment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, through that process, you're working with a completely different clientele, you know, because they're engineers, they're scientists, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily fitness people. Right. And I came from a complete fitness background and gym background. So I had to really change my methodology and how I would train and how I'd communicate uh, to work with these people, right. you just know? helping them set expectations. I yeah. would think, like, yeah, what what, what expectations are they, are they? They come in, they say, all right, you know, and I want to change my life, or is it like, you know, I just kind of want to move more? And they and they they were all different mm-hmm. and lots of different personalities, and just like anywhere else, though, you have to continue to evolve the program. You have to continue to change it and offer new things and new classes, and you know, have you know, companies coming in and do cholesterol checks and heart checks, and you have to have lunch and learns and bring people right. in to speak. You constantly have to keep them vested in your program, and you can't you can't not change it and have that happen. So over seven years, you know, uh, I continued to do that. And we had 28 locations. I ended up building uh, mini gyms in all of those locations. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last two years I was there, we worked on the nutrition part of it, worked with vendors uh, and put um, like, kind of like you'd see here at Bodyline.com. They, right. they have kind of a, a health market and people can get healthy meals and, and whatnot. And uh, we, we introduced a spouse program, you know, where your spouses could come in for free because it was only a corporate you know, gym and, and whatnot. And those benefits were only for the people that worked there, but we moved it out to the, the spouses and uh, lots of success. You know, the average corporate entity is looking at about 30 to 45% of their, their team members vested in a program and utilizing it. And we were, I think, in the high 80s, you know, oh, people wow. that consistently used it mm-hmm. day to day. And that was something I was proud of. But at the end of the day, um, you're, you're, you're building something for somebody else. You know, right. you have great pride in what it is that you're doing, but it can only change so much. You can't continue to grow a program like that. You can continue to change it, but you can't continue to grow it. And for me, I'm always looking to the next thing. Um, I kind of equate it to, uh, you guys ever seen Napoleon Dynamite? Sure. Yes. Okay. You know, Uncle Rico mm-hmm. talking about high school all the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows an Uncle Rico, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So this guy is always talking about high school because in his head, he thought that that was his greatest moment and he never let himself leave it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm different is whether I get a new cover, whether I land a, you know, a sponsorship or whatever, I appreciate it for what it is. And then I move forward because otherwise you're going to get stuck in your best moment. Mm -hmm. And poet 
is a huge part of my my life and who I am, mm-hmm. but it wasn't my greatest moment. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if I didn't leave, that I would continue to just exist and do those things. And I wasn't creating anything tangible to have and hold for my myself or my family. And having a son is what I think would, would have changed my mindset the most because I wanted him to have everything that I, right. I didn't. And by me working there, he did. Regardless, mm-hmm. I had a great salary and everything else. But I wanted the ability also to live on my terms. And if I wanted to take him for a walk in the morning or go to the park or whatever, I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, If I wanted to have dinner with my family, sit at the table, I could do that. You know, Whatever it may be, take a vacation, drive to a state park, whatever. Um, I wanted to do that. And that was my, my, my inspiration, I would say, to, to leave and to work on, on some new projects. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So talking about evolution, just because I know everyone's gonna be curious, fitness um, or how you approached working out when you first started, how you approach working out now, and especially now that you have a son and now that fatherhood is such a big part of your life, like how has that transformed? Uh, when I was younger, it was all about being big and strong. It was about the heaviest weights I could lift, uh, that next PR, how much I could bench, squat, deadlift. Um, and I was just a big, bulky mess, <laughs> you know, and I had injuries all the time because I would always just push, push, push. When I started to get into competing, it changed because I had to develop a physique that looked a certain way, especially when I got into physique. I had to have a small waist, the round shoulders, big chest, you know. So I started to change my training more to a volume, uh, what I call angled workouts. So I hit my muscle groups at every freaking angle that I can, as many reps and sets as I can. And that's what really gave me shape. And a lot of that inspiration actually even came from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's another person that I admire and really, really look up to is he was a power lifter when he was younger. And he said until he started training that way, he didn't have any shape. He was just big and strong. So I, I modeled that, came up with my own protocols on, on what worked for me. And I got to a point with the physique division and modeling and all that other stuff that I just needed to maintain. You know, I don't necessarily need to get bigger or better or anything like, like that, just maintain. Um, so that's been the last few years is more of a, a maintenance protocol. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't get in there and still train hard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, I, I, for the life that I live and the things that I do, I don't need to put on 10 pounds or whatever. When he came... Uh, became about longevity, and that that means you know more cardio, uh, usually being at a lighter weight throughout the year, uh, you know checking my my blood more often, you know because when you're dieting and restricted and everything, you can have thyroid and okay. um, all sorts of hormonal issues, and just making sure that I'm healthy, you know getting enough sleep and water, and <laughs> my wife, uh, my wife is is I would say half vegan. Uh, for the, for the health aspects of it, um, she's, she's half vegan as well. I'm 98 percent vegan. O- ovo vegan, we call it. So she's and, and that came with a lot of research and study. Um, organic everything, mm-hmm. just really is careful what she puts in her body because she wants to be here for him, and she's also his food source currently. Right. Uh, and when it comes to me, you know whether I'm drinking certain drinks. Um, or chewing gum, she calls them my cancer sticks because <laughs> they have chemicals in them. Um, you know, she's on me all the time about you know making sure I'm, I'm aware of what I'm putting into my body, which that consistency has made me a little more. It, it's something. It's kind of like the treatment of animals, for instance. Like you know the crazy stuff that happens in a slaughterhouse, right. but you just kind of ignore it, and, and you have your your, your chicken anyway. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I guess, what I've done with a lot of the, the things that I've consumed. And I've been more 
more open, I would say, since he's come along to, to cut those things too, mm-hmm. just to make sure that I'm, I'm here long term. Sure, sure. So. Hmm. Now, now um, one thing that you, that you said when you were talking about corporate wellness that was interesting was talking about the mini gyms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of an interesting idea to, because, you know, both from a corporate perspective, but also from the perspective of somebody thinking like, do I go train in the gym or do I train at home? Yeah. How, how, um, how essential do you feel like that is or how helpful do you think that is for somebody to either have, for a company to have a, a little mini gym at work or for somebody to have their home gym as opposed to, you know, all of the, the expense and everything that goes with having gym membership? You know, having a gym at your corporate location, you're you're gonna find, depending on on the extent of it, you're gonna find people. And in my head, I, I thought nobody really appreciated it. It wasn't a true benefit. You know, mm-hmm. people cared more about salary and everything else. But over time, people started to tell me from a compensation package how much it meant to them to have that, mm-hmm. to have me as a trainer, to have me write nutrition protocols or whatever. Having the smaller gym. Um, footprint. We had to do that because the plant sizes, they're rural. So Mm. they're out in the middle of nowhere, some small town that doesn't really have a gym. You know, so it had enough to get a good workout. The biggest thing about that is the support and the education and getting them invested in it. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't put the time into it, if you just put it up, Mm -hmm. they're not going to use it. A couple people will, but they're not. So you have to have challenges. You have to stand behind it. You know, like we had a, a flex time where people could work out whenever they wanted. They just had to either come in early, stay late, miss their lunch, whatever. You know, and we had to support that from the top down. Right. You know, the the owner to the president to whoever had to support people getting in the gym. You couldn't have a manager not letting their people go down and work out and when all the other ones did. Mm-hmm. You know, right. because it put a bad taste in the the mouth of the program. So, if you're going to do something like that, the biggest thing is supporting it. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that after seven years, that was the biggest thing. If you're not supporting it, if you're not supporting them utilizing it, they're not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is you talk about working out at home. It's hard for people to work out at home. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your sanctuary. That's where you want to relax. Or you have a million things to do. You have to clean. You have to cook. You have kids and everything else. The last thing you can do is get a workout. Mm-hmm. I find when people check out, whether it be at work or at a fitness club or whatever, or just going out to the park. You know, I, I, I stress to people, you don't need to be fancy to get a workout in. You know, just, just checking out for a little bit. It's going to help your mind and it's going to help your body. Working out at home, my wife does it a lot, but, uh, you know, it's circumstantial. She works from home, our kids at home, you know, so it's, it's a bit tougher for her, but she still would prefer to get out and use a facility. So... Something about that third place away from work and home yeah. still can be pretty beneficial. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So yeah. you mentioned challenges. What was one of the, or what was one of the more successful challenges that you did through the corporate wellness program <clears throat> that you feel like really got people on board? Um, the biggest one. I actually took a challenge. The Bill Phillips challenge was done here. Mm-hmm. I took his challenge That's from classic. I took yeah. that and I reworked it for our programming, and. It was basically repackaged. It still carried his name and whatnot, but I repackaged for our environment and what we had uh, and did it with teams. And okay. that was the biggest one by far. Teams, so like yeah. you and five other people. Yep. would uh, go through and, uh-huh. and okay. do it together. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, yeah, because we, we've certainly done any number of challenges and things here, and it's always very individually based. What do you feel like the, the team added to it? holds you accountable uh-huh. because you're going to have a lot of people, like I said, in that environment that don't have any fitness knowledge. They feel uncomfortable. A gym is a scary place for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, they, they don't feel comfortable and they, they don't want to go down on their own 
And so they don't. But when you are accountable for points or something else with your team, you don't want to let them down. Plus, the other other team members are going to be encouraging to try to get you down there. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for a fact that not everybody wants to work out with me because I am intimidating. No matter how much I talk to you or how nice I am to you or how encouraging, you still will look at me, you know, as a 55-year-old female and be like, I don't want to work out. He's going to kill me. Right. I don't want to work out with him. <laughs> you know, they have a misconception in their head when I just want them to get better. You know, uh, I've tra- and they may have gone to a bad trainer that that absolutely killed them, and that scares them. But the team environment, you know, it builds camaraderie, uh, acceptance, um, and it and it puts them at ease. You know, they feel like they can be themselves. They can actually enjoy it and have fun with it. And you know, and sometimes you would see uh, inner group challenges where one person's challenging the other person and. You know, it, it was great. Mm-hmm. So, mm. so com- competition still really is just mm-hmm. there's there's no there's really no substitute for it. It sounds like competition's big, and competition for reward is bigger. Mm-hmm. Yes. People like a prize. It, it doesn't even matter what the prize is. They want something. Mm-hmm. I could give you a, a freaking cucumber, and mm-hmm. they'll be like, "Yes." <laughs> they will let stab that, somebody yes. in the back for it. <laughs> they will let that cucumber sit on their desk till that thing rots to nothing. <laughs> so. Yeah, prizes are big, definitely. Right. And it, again, it doesn't have to be fancy. I think a lot of companies or groups try to make these prizes so big, and then they have to keep adding to that because the person's like, "Oh, we did that last time," you know. Because then they'll start comparing. You know, if you're constantly raising the ante, like, "Well, you know, at the beginning of the year we gave away a hundred dollars, now we're going to give away a hundred thousand right. dollars because we have to keep upping it." You know, and it's your trip to the moon. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think that you have to make them accountable to do it regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, and periodically I would do challenges for no prize. Mm-hmm. Just to remind them like why we are doing this. It's not just for a prize. It's for health, happiness, longevity, and uh, you know, the lifestyle of right. it. It's it's not for a, an iPad. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there's a there's a trainer that uh, we've both interviewed named Boss Everline, who's a, like a celebrity trainer and mm-hmm. and he's big on challenges all the time and I asked him, Well what do you, what are these challenges? What's the price? It's dinner. Yeah. It's always just dinner. Let's yeah, just do it for dinner, right. you know. But <laughs> my God, people push for dinner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't have to be big. Mm-hmm. It just has to be something that they feel accomplished. When they look at it, they know I accomplished this. Right. And it could be anything. So anybody in the corporate world or in any gym environment or any any you know friends just putting together a challenge. It doesn't need to be complicated. You know, people are motivated just to be motivated. So hmm. well, great, thanks for coming and talking with us, Brandon. Appreciate it. Um, where do people find you out there? Uh, you can find me uh, brandonfoken.com, at brandonfoken on Twitter or Instagram, and brandonfokenfitness on Facebook. Pretty easy. All right. Awesome. Thanks very much. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. If you like free stuff, you're going to like Tim's Rewards by Tim Hortons. You can earn free food or drinks after every seven purchases. Cool. How do I win? Um, it's not a contest. You just use your Tim's Rewards card. And after seven purchases, you score a free coffee, tea, or baked good. Whoa. So I've got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, actually, you've got a 100% chance of winning. Those are great odds. <laughs> they sure are. Free coffee and more with Tim's Rewards. It's Tim Hortons' way of saying thanks. Valid only at participating restaurants. Please visit restaurant or timhortons.com slash rewards for full program details.